Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another My Angular Story. This week, we're going to be talking to Uri Shaked. Did I say that right? Yes. I, I always practice in my head, and then I'm like, is that... Anyway, um, so you were on episode... I think it was... I had it up here a second ago. Um, it was in the 30s, I think, and you talked about wrapping JavaScript libraries with um, Angular directives. So this was way back when we were talking about Angular 1 still. Um what what are you what are you up to these days? So yeah, I remember that episode. It was I think we had uh, Lucas on the show at that time, and uh, actually I'm still doing pretty much the same thing, but uh, with uh, Angular two right now. Like I have um, Angular two moment, and um, nowadays I'm much more focused. Um, on IoT, Internet of Things, and connected devices and the related technologies. So, uh, to name a few, Web Bluetooth, uh, the physical web. Um, and there is a new fun project that um, I'm working on, like these very days. Um, it's called the NGB Cons. Um, I think we can leave it for a little later yeah. to keep the audience. Yeah, we'll keep them in Perfect. suspense. <laughs> All right. Exactly. That was the part I was missing. Hey, everybody. This is Charles Maxwood. I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about JS Remote Comp. Uh, we just picked speakers. Things are looking really good. And uh, we're really excited to cover a broad range of topics for JavaScript developers. So if you're looking to learn things about Node.js, about becoming a better developer, about deployment, about mobile development, and much more, and much more about JavaScript, then come check us out, jsremoteconf.com. Uh, you can also find it by going to devchat.tv slash conferences and then picking the conference you want. We have last year's recordings there. We have this year's uh, conference coming up. So make sure you get your ticket and we'll see you there. All right. Well, let's let's jump right in then. I sent you the questions ahead of time. Hopefully you had a little bit of time to think about uh, what did you what you wanted to say. Uh, the first question is, how did you get into programming? So um, I think it dates back to like uh, my second grade or something like that when i had my first 8086 uh ibm computer and at some point it got some virus or something like that and it stopped working working and i wanted to figure out how to fix it so um i got a book about computer basics like ms dos and uh, how to how the hardware works and how everything connects to everything and the last like two or three chapters of this of this book were speaking about uh, a language called QBasic. And at the beginning, I didn't even pay attention to them, but at some point they got me intrigued and I decided to like give it a try. What 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 is this QBasic all about? So I started like writing very simple programs to just uh, write a few words on the screen. And then uh, someday I was speaking with uh, my aunt, who was a mathematician, and she taught me some basic like formulas in statistics, like uh, calculating chances. And I decided to write a small program that um, calculates uh, the chance of winning the Israeli uh, equivalent of the uh, Powerball game. And um, I think it it was then when I started to realize that computers can actually uh, 
automate things. They do things uh, so I don't have to do them. And then I like started experimenting with uh, programs that uh, played music. At that time, I started like uh, learning how to play the piano, taking lessons. And I thought to myself, wait, these are just like sequences of um, notes that make up a melody. Maybe I could program the computer like the programs are sequences of uh, instructions that uh, will play those notes. So I started like writing um, small programs in QBasic that played the melodies that uh, I studied uh, how to play on the piano. And I started like um, using those uh, floppy diskettes and copying those programs to a few friends um, that uh, I, knew, I knew them back then. And they were like really happy with them and they were really excited about them. And they always asked me if there was a new program with uh, more melodies. And I started like uh, writing small games. And I think that that was the time when like I got hooked on programming. I saw that I could uh, not only automate things, but make things that are useful for me and also for the amusement of my friends. Nice. It it seems like that's, as I've talked to uh, several people, because I've done 15 interviews for JavaScript Jabber, and this is the sixth one for Adventure in, in Angular. And it seems like that's where people seem to hit. It's where it clicks for them, right? Where oh, I can make this do something interesting or fun, and it benefits other people. It's not just, oh, I, I programmed this just for the sake of having programmed it. Yes, definitely. I can definitely connect to that. So you play with the computer, you get it to do all this awesome stuff in basic and play music. Um, how, how do you go from that to web development and Angular? Um, well, I think like, uh, after like the first days of programming, um, at some point I was introduced to the internet and with the internet came IRC. Uh, do you know, like MRSC? Uh-huh. Yep. Like the Slack of the old days. Yeah. Um, the first company so, I worked for out of college, that's the way that we communicated with each other. We had an internal IRC server. And it was, it was kind of a rite of passage to actually hack it so that you had um, admin access. I forget if it was root access or admin access or whatever the top level access was for IRC. But yeah, oh, they called it uh, ops. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So like at that point, I discover I discover the IRC and I met a bunch, met a bunch of uh, Israeli friends that were also interested in programming. And um, at some point, I realized that I could create uh, bots for uh, IRC. I started like with simple MRSC bots. And then there was, uh, I think it was called something with an egg. I forgot a name, but some bot engine that used the TCL programming language to um, create uh, custom bots, maybe mm -hmm. egg drop or something like that. Um, and then I like started, uh, creating, uh, smart bots that could tell jokes and interact with people. And at some point we decided to start our own IRC network. So we got some servers from universities and whatever, and we started our own IRC network and we decided to like, um, 
develop our own IRC server. So that's how I got into like network programming and learning about uh, C and Unix and all the socket stuff. So I think that was the first step. And then um, the next year I started attending uh, high school and um, the high school had a website back then, which was just a collection of um, a lot of smaller websites running on a, a NT machine that ran it off an IIS. And I started helping with some of those websites. And at some point, um, I was getting into uh, HTML. And instead of uh, like writing everything in TCL, I used to write like a CGI script in uh, TCL. I learned about uh, PHP and MySQL. And then it was like the time when I started building uh, my first web apps. I created uh, a photo gallery for the web for the high school and the forum system. And I think that it was then when I realized that I could write the program once on the server and then anybody over the internet could access it. And um, I think that was like the first time that I started to realize how cool it was to create stuff for the web. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's that's kind of where I started as well. Well, that's one of the areas that I started when I was in high school. I did a lot of electronic stuff. And so um, we were programming in 8088 with... Uh, basically machine code. So it was, um, the, you know, the jump command with the register or with the memory location, mm -hmm. move this value from this register to this register or add the values in these registers and then put them in this register. But we also did some programming <clears throat> or I did, I got into like GeoCities and angel fire where you were, yeah, building basic HTML applications and putting them out there. So, you know, gratuitous uh, use of the blink tag, things like that. But yeah, you know, <laughs> then I could tell my friends to browse it, you know, from their home computer and they could see my website with all of the useless stuff that I put on there. So now it's time to be honest with us. Have you used Remover or did you build the HTML files by yourself? I built them by myself. I didn't use Dreamweaver at all. Wow, that's really cool. Um, speaking of uh, assembly, we actually amused ourselves like uh, when I learned about assembly and started using it, we tried to translate the instructions to Hebrew and it was like, sound, it, it sounded horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how we amused ourselves in the uh, early high school uh, times. Well, there you go. So, you know, you get into web development and you start doing this stuff. Um, you put stuff out there so that people can look at it. You know, how, how do you get into Angular? How, how did you wind up uh, becoming a professional programmer and, and doing Angular? Um, so, we start, so as I said, I started uh, like with uh, PHP and I used like JavaScript occasionally to... Uh -huh add emojis to the forum system and stuff like that. And at some point, um, I discovered that PHP wasn't the best thing. And I could actually, um, I think my first, like, uh, the first time I realized that uh, 
I don't have to reload the whole page to get an update was when I implemented my uh, a feature in my firm system that would let you just pull the server and get um, new uh, messages as they were posted by other users. So making it more like real time. And at that time, I was just like adding uh, script tags and those scripts would retrieve um, um, uh, page from PHP, which contained uh, the new messages and then just uh, adding them through JavaScript. And I guess that at some point uh, I evolved to write, uh, to add more and more logic in the client side. And it was getting messy. And I heard about RequireJS and Backbone and I used them for like uh, quite a long while for some of the apps that I built. Um, and my first, um, uh, the first uh, date with Angular happened in a local meetup group, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the JavaScript Israel meetup group um, organized by uh, Shai Resnick. And I just heard about this new technology from Google that solves some of the problems that Backbone had. And I was like looking at the same time for like a more robust alternative. And I had like a really hard start with Angular because instead of uh, like doing the uh, standard uh, single page application, get some data from the server and display it on screen, I had a totally different use case. I had an iOS app, um, a native iOS app, um, and I decided to implement one of the features using uh, WebView. And I thought that would be a good opportunity to experiment with uh, Angular, but then I had to write some kind of bridge uh, similar to what uh, Cordova uh, PhoneGap at the time had done. And then I discovered that uh, things like there was a reason uh, or there was a mechanism behind the Angular magic, the digest cycle. I remember spending like uh, an entire day trying to figure out why whenever I send something from my native app, uh, the Angular app doesn't update. And when you work inside a web view, you don't have like all the developer tools and stuff that you can use to debug the app. So I like had to learn about the digest cycle the hard way. And that, <laughs> yeah, that was my first Angular experience. But then um, I started to build more stuff with it. This time uh, I was, uh, I like learned the lesson and used it uh, for web apps and not like uh, implementing small features inside web views. And then it like made a lot of sense uh, with uh, the structure, the router, directive components, and I really fell in love with uh, promises. Um, I like uh, I like the idea so much that I started um, giving talks about them and trying to educate uh, other developers. Like these these are cool tools. You should definitely look at them. Very nice. So uh, what have you done with Angular that people ought to go look at or check out? Um, so I, I think all of 
or mainly of all of my uh, open source Angular stuff was just created as part of um, just because I needed it. Like uh, the most popular package that uh, I have done was the Angular Moment module, uh, which is basically uh, this component that shows you that something happened five seconds ago, then automatically updates to one minute ago, and etc. And um, I have uh, another model that I will mention in the pics for a good reason. But um, I think that in the past like 12 months, uh, I've been doing more of like trying to connect the uh, community or to uh, open the eyes of the community to uh, the world of connected devices, IoT, and see how um, we can use our knowledge and tools that uh, we currently use on the web to uh, connect and control uh, the devices around us. So I think that's one aspect. And another aspect is uh, I really spent a lot of time speaking in conferences, uh, especially in 2016. Um, and also organized the Israeli uh, Angular Conf, which we called the uh, NGConf back at the time, uh, just NGConf Israel uh, back in 2014 and 2015. So um, I think it's like a combination of the open source contribution and uh, the public speaking I'm doing. Gotcha. I'm really curious, what, what is the Angular community like or the JavaScript community like in Israel? Uh, how how do you think it's different from the community here in the United States? Um, that's a great question. I think uh, I, I don't know the community in the United States good enough to make a comparison, but I can say that the Israeli uh, community consists of really like, uh, I think it's like something in the uh, nature of Israeli people that they are uh, much more direct they will think, tell you what they think about you. So uh, you hear a lot of uh, like people saying, hey, this technology is shit and that technology is better. So there are, I think there is, a, I, I, again, I can't really compare, but I think there is a lot of discussion and comparison between uh, different technologies. And there are a lot of uh, early adopters. So Nowadays, like uh, the hottest thing here in Israel, I think in terms of front end is Vue.js. I've heard a lot of people speaking about uh, Vue.js in the past uh, two months. Um, and there are also a lot of people who are like taking uh, niche positions. Like uh, I know there was a community devoted to closure script, like people who are uh, totally sold on closure script and then another one for ELM. So people really like to experiment with um, newest with like bleeding edge technologies and um, also uh, argue about them and take a position. So maybe you can contrast it with uh, the um, how it works in the States. It sounds pretty similar to what we do here, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of people have their opinions and uh, I haven't seen specific meetups for, well, I have seen it for Elm. Um, I don't know if I've seen them for ClojureScript or Vue, 
but um yeah it's it's kind of interesting to see where it's all going and yeah just see who's trying what and what they think and what problems they're having and what successes they're having and what where it really matters and uh, yeah just just the opportunities that we all have to get together and and talk through the technologies and really kind of get uh to the point where we understand what issues everybody's trying to solve um yeah it it's terrific well, and here in I, utah I, for whatever reason we have a really really strong javascript community and it's funny uh you know just how much stuff comes out of here um in in javascript innovations well maybe you should uh, do more collaboration between uh, utah and uh, tel aviv oh absolutely and- and I think it's uh, speaking about the web community in general, it's pretty amazing, like uh, the amount of collaboration that goes into inside the web community in comparison with uh, other areas of either research or politics or whatever. I think it's amazing, like people are just contributing uh, their time, spending a lot of effort just to make things like uh, Angular, React, Vue.js, uh, Moment.js, and the list can go on for hours. And they just give it for free and they help each other for free. And they care about um, things like the um, TC39 process and the language and the great tooling that is evolving all the time. And I think this is like remarkable. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's it's really interesting too, just um, you know, people talk about all of the frantic motion that's going on in the JavaScript community. Um and we've seen some of that to some degree in the Angular community just from the standpoint of adopting things like Webpack or um where we're moving into Angular four or you know, just just you know, what does this mean and how do we how do we take what we already have and apply it to the angular community and all of that motion and all of that effort and sometimes the effort is stuff that you know we go off and we figure out pretty fast that hey this is kind of a dead end um you know and so we we innovate in another way it just it's really really cool to see all of the motion especially the forward momentum that we're getting in javascript yeah, I mean, I, like I used TypeScript two or three years ago, and it was really hard to like use it because you couldn't find uh, type definitions for stuff, and you get also got all sorts of obscure error messages. But then, uh, and I decided to abandon it. But then, when they collabor- started collaborating with the Angular team. I decided to check it again. And I think it's amazing. Like if you look back 10 years ago, could you imagine like Microsoft and Google collaborating on something? I know, right? Well, and it's funny because even the the view on things from uh, Microsoft was the evil empire five years ago, right? Totally closed source, you know, company. And now they're one of the companies that is um, pushing forward major open initiatives in JavaScript and just moving the needle in very important ways. And nobody ever would have dreamed that, that they'd be out there doing that. And then, yeah, like you said, 
you know, we keep hearing about Apple suing Google and Google suing Oracle or Oracle suing Google or whatever, right? And so these big tech companies, it seems like they're more interested in staking out their turf. And yet we have teams from Microsoft working with teams from Google. And it's it's all really, really cool. And it just demonstrates this level of professionalism, I think, among all these different groups. It's the same thing like with the Angular CLI. The Angular CLI is basically a plugin on top of the Ember CLI. And so we've mm-hmm. adopted that technology and are benefiting from it. Uh, we take ideas from uh, React, and React takes ideas from Angular, and and all of the the ways that these different companies are playing nice with each other for the benefit of the programming community and the internet is very very encouraging. Yes, I I, um, I totally agree with that. All right. Well, what are you working on now? So um, I gave you a little teaser at the beginning of uh, our uh, conversation. Um, so one, it's like a project I started worked started working on uh, just about a month ago when it suddenly struck me that the Angular logo has the perfect shape to be uh, printed as a printed uh, PCB, printed computer board, like a printed circuit board, like uh-huh. electronics board because it has like a very simple shape and then um, the background is red and the text is white and red is one of the common colors for PCBs and uh, um, writing the seal screen on top of the PCBs is always white. And then it struck me that I could just um, design a PCB that resembles the Angular logo that is the Angular logo and send it to (laughs) some Chinese factory. And guess what? It actually worked. So there was the first NG beacon and the idea behind the NG beacons um, is to try to um, make it more friendly to the Angular community, make IoT and connected devices um, more friendly by making them just look really cute, like the Angular logo that we all know and love. And then um, I started collaborating with uh, some fellow uh, Google developer experts on uh, trying to make some um, demos and examples of how to interact with those devices with uh, using Angular. Um, so right now, like NG beacons are just uh, capable of um, using the physical web, which allows them to broadcast uh, a URL to everybody in the room. So if you build an Angular app that is relevant to some physical location, you can just uh, put an NG beacon there that will broadcast the URL. Um, and then everybody who gets there will get a notification um, using the physical web about this URL. So that's the like uh, first use case uh, that is already implemented. And I just got the first piece of Angie Bacon uh, built and ready like last week. I learned how to solder the uh, really small, fine-pitched components just for the sake of making it. Um, I hope to make a few more of them, uh, some more units, and uh, give them away in the uh, upcoming NG Viking Conf to some of the, uh, I think, uh, 
some of the fellows that are more into IoT and smart devices and to see where they can take it to make it much more friendly for Angular developers to start creating their own uh, code that speaks with uh, physical devices and experiment on their own. So it's like really super early stage and I'm really uh, looking for uh, getting feedback, how it can be valuable to bring the community together to build awesome Internet of Things experiences. So uh, let's make it happen. Sounds great. How do people get involved? That's a great question. Um, right now, we have a GitHub a repo for that where I just posted the uh, um, PCB, the uh, design files for the PCBs and the uh, code for the firmware that I'm developing as we speak. And then we also have um, Slack channel uh, called a Slack team called uh, Things to Browsers. So if you're interested in like getting involved in either this project or other projects like uh, Web USB. Um, web serial or whatever web with uh, IoT, uh, just ping me and I will uh, make sure you get an invitation to that uh, Slack channel. Awesome. All right. Thank well, you. Um, so the last thing we have is the picks. And you've been on the show before, so you know what picks are. Um, do you have anything that you want to shout out about? Um, well, just. Uh, a few things like picks are always hard to me because I have to pick. I don't know. Anyway, uh, first of all, I want to say that I like really like uh, all the uh, conferences. They are really amazing. All the Angular conferences and stuff like Ng Vikings, Ng Cruise, Ng Conf, Angular Connect, Ng Poland that I've just been to. They are really trying to make the uh, experience more than just come, hear a few talks, go home. It's like really uh, the atmosphere and the experience. And I really enjoy going to and participating and speaking on those conferences. So if anyone was listening to this podcast haven't, uh, didn't have any opportunity to go on such conference, I definitely recommend that uh, you try it. Um, Another thing that uh, I wanted to mention is that uh, Chrome 56 is uh, coming out, uh, I think, this week. And it will have two features that I really like. First of all is uh, Web Bluetooth that we have been mentioning uh, all throughout our conversation. So it's finally going to be available for everyone on Mac and Android and uh, Chrome OS and Linux. And then the second feature that I think is really important, they are starting to uh, make people more aware of HTTPS. So uh, starting from Chrome 56, if you go on an HTTP site that doesn't have uh, HTTPS, doesn't have SSL, and that site will have a form that has a password or credit card info, uh, input field, you will see a warning saying this is not secure. Beware, you're like entering your details into a website that is uh, not secure. And so that's the second thing. And then the last thing um, I wanted to give a shout out. So 
uh, I told you I will mention another open source project I worked on. So that was uh, Angular Spinner. And a few months ago, I realized I no longer have the time to uh, continue improving uh, that project. It had a lot of open issues and pull requests. And I decided it was a good time to start looking for uh, another maintainer. So I posted a message on the readme and opened an issue on GitHub. And uh, I think it was two or three weeks ago, um, a guy that I already know from like GitHub and the community, Islam Atrash, uh, stepped and uh, he said, hey, I want to uh, be the new maintainer. And I must say he's been doing absolutely great job. So uh, big shout out for him. All right. Very cool. Um, I've got what about few, your picks? My picks. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, I've got a few picks here. Um, the first one is, I have to look it up real quick, um, but uh, I was talking to uh, Justin Searles, and um, it reminded me of just one of my favorite books. We we kind of uh, made examples, out, you know, out of some of the code situations, um, talking about other areas. And one of the other areas of interest that I have is economics. And there's a terrific mm -hmm. basic economics book out there by Thomas Sowell. It's called Basic Economics. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it is really great. And uh, it looks like it's on Audible as well. So you can buy the book on Amazon or you can uh, listen to it on Audible. Um, I think I bought the paperback and read it is the way that I consumed it. But it is really, really well done and just explains to people um, how economics works um, and, and then provides examples for all of that stuff. So I'm going to pick that. And then the other thing I'm going to pick is I've been playing around lately with um, React Native and I've been doing some of the work in Vi uh, Visual Studio Code. And I've been really, really digging both of those technologies. So I'm going to pick React Native and Visual Studio Code as well. Um, and yeah, I guess with that, we'll wrap up. If people want to follow you on Twitter or see what else you've got going on, where do they go? Well, Twitter is great, like Uri Shaked. And then uh, I'm also on Medium, medium.com slash at Urish, U-R-I-S-H. And that's it, I guess. All right. Well, we will go ahead and wrap up here, and we'll have another story for everyone next week. Thank you, Uri. Thank you, Jack. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Comp. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from The Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com.